And a good day to you, EOB Mafia. Welcome back to another installment of Evolution of Brand. I'm Jason Sircone, and today on episode 137, I'm sharing the mic with Brendan Kumarasamy for a game-changing conversation about the power of communication. As we tap into the evolution of Brendan's brand today, we'll be discussing how Brendan was able to grow his skills and his brand through competitions that emphasize the importance of communication, tips and strategies for improving your communication efforts, and how your life will change when you become an exceptional communicator. All of this and so much more is ready and waiting for you on episode 137 of Evolution of Brand, right after a quick word from yours truly. You know, we talk a lot about thought leadership and authority status here on Evolution of Brand, and the reason for that is the guests I've had the privilege of connecting with focus on this each and every day. And I guarantee you, if you ask any of them if that status has made a difference in everything they do, the answer you'd receive would be an emphatic hell yes across the board. Do you want to establish authority and become a thought leader in your niche? Then it's time for us to connect. I want to teach you the best approach I know for attracting new clients, increasing your profits, expanding your network, and achieving game-changing authority status. It's time for your brand to go from unknown to undeniable. Visit EnhanceYourAuthority.com today to get started. Brendan Kumarasamy, welcome to Evolution of Brand. Say what's up to the EOB Mafia and share a time that you listen to yourself instead of what others told you was right, and it led to a major accomplishment. For sure, Jason. The pleasure is absolutely mine. Thanks so much for having me on. I think my whole life is actually surrounded by this question where I always believe that listening to your own intuition is the key. There's actually the, a great question from Jason Skisik on this that I think will really help your audience. And the question is, if your future more successful version of yourself had an opportunity to take a peek at how you're living your life right now, what would they disagree with? A lot of us, we look for mentors, we look for coaches, we look for mastermind. All of those things are amazing and I'm invested in all of them. But the most important person we need to listen to is who we will become if we do the right things and take the right actions. And I would say the biggest example of that is quitting my corporate job. You know, my whole life, my identity, Jason, was around getting a job at an IBM, at a Deloitte, at a McKinsey, at a big company, be a successful executive there. And the hardest decision I made in my life was to give up that identity. Nothing to do with money, but making a decision to shift from employee to entrepreneur, something I never thought I'd do with my life. And it's led to a lot of great things for you. That decision has put a lot of tremendous opportunities in front of you that we're going to talk about today. And it's made you one of the world's most sought after authorities on communication. That's one of my favorite subjects. So today we're going to be diving deep into the art of communication. And as you have put it, Brendan, how to be a world-class communicator and what that entails. By extension... We're going to be talking about all the benefits that arise from having powerful and effective communication skills as part of your brand building strategy. Definitely a conversation that everyone is going to get a lot from. Before we tear into all of that today, Brendan, take a moment to tell EOB Society who you are, what you do, and how you're changing the world through effective communication. 
For sure, Jason. You know, my name is Brendan. I'm the founder of Master Talk. Master Talk is both a coaching business and a media business who, with the goal of providing free communication resources to everyone in the world. But how I got started was when I was in business school, I went to college and I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports for nerds. While the guys my age are playing rugby or football, I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively, Jason. That's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching a lot of the students back in college, not because I was great at it, because the alternative they had was nobody, so they went with me. And it's with that expertise that I actually started Master Talk because I felt that everything I was sharing with them wasn't for free, and it just turned to something I never could have imagined. I want to dig into that a little bit deeper. Competitive presentations. How did that work? What was that? I, I've never heard of anything like that. Was this something that was just taking place at your school or was this something that was bringing together a bunch of different entities? Tell us how all that went, or how Absolutely. all that went together. Absolutely. It's the right question to ask, Jason. So what is a case competition? Let us let me give an example here. Let's say me and you are on the same team, Jason, and Nike comes up to us, the shoe company, obviously, and says, hey, Jason, I'm thinking about starting a new store. I just don't know where to open it. Should I open it in Berlin in Germany or should I open it in Salt Lake City in Utah? And they ask both of us, hey, come up with the solution and pitch us on where we should be opening the store first and why. Because we only have enough money to open one of the stores, not both. So what teams of students do, Jason, is that we spend three hours analyzing a 20-page document. We figure out everything that with Nike's history, their numbers, their financials. We come up with the solution. We put a bunch of slides together around the strategy, the marketing, the solution. And after three hours are done, we pitch it back to the executives of Nike or to judges and the winner has the best solution. So now your follow-up question, you're probably in your mind thinking, who in the world would do that for fun? What's the point of doing that? It sounds really stressful. The reason these things exist, Jason, is because they're a recruitment tool for the best companies in the world. So what these companies do is they pour in tens of thousands of dollars to actually sponsor these things so they can pick up the best students. Think of it like a like an NFL draft since we were talking about football before this episode started, but for business positions in the business world. So when you got into this, did you recognize that right away, that if you really stood out and excelled with these competitions, that you would be at the front of the list when companies were looking to recruit? Or was this something that you learned along the way as you were developing these different presentations? Great question. So when I was 19 and I, and I started business school, I had a big oversized suit because I didn't have that much money. My parents were factory workers. So I didn't really know what a case competition was or any of that stuff. So I'd go to these networking cocktails and meet people who were like 22 and had jobs at the companies I wanted to work at. And I would ask them, how did you get this job? And they'd always respond with two words, case competition. I'm like, hey, what is that? And that's when they taught me that. So I actually went into case competitions with the mindset that this was going to be my ticket out of poverty. If I crush these things and I do really well. Hopefully one of them gives me a job, but it was, it never thought it was going to lead to master talk. It was really about getting that corporate gig that later turned into something pretty insane as to why we're having these conversations. Yeah. (laughs) And clearly the decision to go that route paid out. So what was it that triggered you to take master talk and make it what it is staying and ultimately abandon that dream and that, that path that you had forged, or at least were trying to forge for yourself in the very beginning. 
For sure, man. I, th I think an easy way to explain this is think of me as like the Michael Jordan that nobody cares about or gives a shit about. In the sense that when MJ was playing basketball, obviously I'm sure you've seen The Last Dance, the Netflix documentary. Oh, yes. Many right? times. <laughs> right? So, so you see that focus. Like he's just so insanely obsessed around basketball. Mm -hmm. So he gets really competitive with his teammates. He's pushing them around. So I was actually the same way. It's just I don't get flack for it because I'm in, I'm in a sport that nobody pays attention to, so it doesn't matter. So I was like that person in case competitions. I started winning a couple of them. I started coaching a lot of these students who'd go out to the, all these international competitions. Believe it or not, Jason, there are literally people in Australia who take a flight to Montreal every year. Their business school pays for everything, thousands of dollars, hotels, flights, food, just for them to give PowerPoint presentations for a week. It's insanity. That's literally <laughs> how this wor world works. So I was 22 at the time. So this, I was three years into this thing. I've probably coached like 60 people on communication. Didn't charge any of them. It was really just, I didn't even know you get paid to do it. I was just obsessed with it. And then I got my dream job. Right, I got the job that I wanted at IBM. I had a great starting salary. I knew this was going to change my family's life. So I took it and I was there for like two years and a half and it was a great company. But in my last semester, somebody asked me the most powerful question I got asked in my life, which was, how did you learn how to speak? And I looked at Aziz and I said, I don't know, man, what do you mean? He's like, well, did you hire a coach? Did you do Toastmasters? Did you watch YouTube videos? And that's when I realized that everything that I learned was self-taught. I said, why would anyone watch YouTube videos on that? So after I got the job at IBM and I was starting in like four months or something, I just started looking online on the, on the YouTube platform to see what other people were creating on communication. And I was just horrified by what I saw. I was like, none of this makes any sense. It's like that person clearly didn't get results, even if they were triple my age. So that's what, what led to mass chalk. And I was just making videos for fun in my mom's basement, really. I didn't think it would amount to anything. It just eventually did, yeah. So you became a student of the game, and no matter what that game is, if you're passionate about it, if you become a student that gets so obsessed with developing your craft, great things are going to happen. That's why you can look at some of these star athletes that we consider the greatest of all time, like a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant. The level of dedication that they had to their sport is something that can bleed into any industry, communications, podcasting. I, I like to consider myself a student of the game when it comes to podcasting, because I'm never going to be satisfied with anything that I'm doing. And I'm constantly listening to either myself back or to other shows to find ways to get better. If you're not on that level with no matter with whatever you're doing, it's going to be incredibly difficult to succeed because there's going to be someone in that space that is dedicated to being the very best they can possibly be. We can't always get to that level but if you're not striving to get there, it's going to be a long uphill battle. Well said. I completely agree, right? And and it's this odd obsession, frankly. And I, I even yes. I still think it's odd to this day that I just happened to have one for communication. And I guess it just ended up being my thing. You know, I just started making videos while I was working at IBM. And I had the time in my life there. You know, usually people at this part in their story, they go, I hated my job. This all sucked. No, like I was making great money. Like I paid off all my family debt. It wasn't like I was in pain. It was kind of like that feeling when a sports athlete retires from their sport. You know, there's one day where there's 10,000 people screaming their name in a stadium. And the next day they're relevant. Nobody cares about them after they're done with the game. Unless they're like at the top echelon of the sport. 
I felt the same way on a much smaller scale after I finished business school because I'd won all these competitions, I'd coached all these people. But then after that, I said, oh, now I just make money? Is that it? And there was nothing else. So I needed a new game, and Master Talk became that game for me. Well, it's a different mindset for sure that you're applying to what you're doing with Master Talk. And to shift this to a more communication theme talk, to me, this has always been something that I feel it needs to be a centerpiece of what everyone is doing, no matter what their brand is, no matter what their objectives are. If communication is not a focal point, things can derail awfully quick. And we've seen this happen. I've watched it happen with companies. I've seen it happen with actual friendships and relationships because communication isn't at the forefront. I know that you and I are not the only ones that are shouting from the mountaintops how important this is but it still continues to be something that many people struggle with. So let's really break down what you're doing to bridge that gap and how people can make communication much more important in their everyday lives from a professional standpoint and a personal standpoint and how all of it is going to lead to a much happier lifestyle and a much more successful brand as things unfold. Absolutely, Jason. So here, here's what I would say. There's two parts to this conversation, one around communication, one around brand. So let's start with communication, then jump into brand. So with comms, I start with this question that you actually hinted in your pretext, which is, how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? The biggest problem we have with comms is we focus too much on the fear, the anxiety, the nerves, but we dr don't dream enough about it. You know, we dream about our vacation, the expensive things we want to buy, the watches we want to get. When was the last time we dreamed about our communication? And the answer is never. That's why I encourage people to start with that because communication affects every area of your life. It's not just about getting the next sale or getting the next follower on social media. It's the way we talk to our families, the way that we raise our children. It's the way that we make new friends. It's the way that we lead a more fulfilling life. So that's the first part. And then the other part to communication is really around having a longer time horizon on our personal or corporate brand. So one advice I give people, and then we could jump into specific communication tips if you want, mm -hmm. is really around the idea that most people when they think about their personal brands which i'm more of an expert in is they think of it in days not decades so they always focus on what's hot tiktok's hot linkedin's hot all this organic stuff is hot but they don't think about like what should i be investing in for the next 10 years so that when i'm in my mid 30s 40s 50s 60s what does that brand look like 10 15 years later and assuming that that version of ourselves is actually going to come true and asking ourselves what type of communicators that person 10 years from today and how can i communicate like them right now so i can get there faster it's, in my opinion, a form of legacy building as well, because I look at a lot of what you do today, if especially in the digital world that we live in, this is this is written in ink. And it's very hard to look back if you're, you're in your 80s, and I'm clearly speculating because I'm not that old yet, but I don't want to be in that state where I look back on something I did in my 30s and 40s and say, what the hell are you thinking? This is not this was not good. And this was not a positive message that you were leaving to the world. And that's what motivates my thinking when it comes to the podcast content that I'm creating. And when I'm helping others as well, you've got to be thinking about that long-term big picture. So the legacy that you leave behind is something that's positive. That isn't something that's just a throwaway that people are going to forget in an instant. And that's something that everybody's going to have their own level of importance in regards to how that falls into the hierarchy of their lives. But if you can be proud of what you did when you look back, 
I feel like that's going to truly leave your mark on the world and make you much more proud of everything that you've accomplished. I completely agree. That's that's definitely been the mindset I've had with Master Talk. And and I think that's why it's had success because I built it on accident. It was just like, oh, I should probably help people with this. And then I even know you could charge for money for stuff. And then it just became something else. So in your experience with Master Talk, Brendan, and this could be your experience personally or somebody that you've worked with and, and helped them with everything they might have been struggling with or goals that they were looking to accomplish. Tell us about a time when communication was lacking and it ultimately led to an enormous opportunity being missed. I mean, I'm definitely an example of this. There's, there's people I've worked with as well, but I'll start with me. You know, communication has actually been a struggle my whole life, Jason, up until probably the last seven years of my life. And the reason is simply because of this. I grew up in a city called Montreal, which I still live in in Canada. And for those who don't know this, I know you know it so well because you're a hockey fan. But for those who are listening, it's a city where you need to not speak French, which is a language I didn't know, Jason. So my whole life, I went, actually went to French school. So every time I would present, I would present in a second language. So that's challenge number one. Challenge number two is I have a crooked left arm that's still crooked to this day. And the reason is because I had a surgery when I was younger. So because of that, I had a lot of social anxiety hanging around with kids that I couldn't talk to and had a big cast on. So that was, that was problematic. And then the third thing is you'd think a communication expert studied in communication. Yeah, I got a bachelor's degree in accounting. So there you go. I, I definitely... <laughs> wasn't the the ideal candidate, right, to be the person sitting in front of you today. And the same thing with a lot of my clients, right? A lot of them are like PhD scientists. They build these revolutionary technologies, but they can't communicate that technology or that solution in a way that gets people to buy into their ideas. And that's that definitely been a big missed opportunity and just lost friendships or, or ways of, 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 of just living life. So, and I'll, I'll direct this towards you and people that you've worked with. What's been that real eye-opening moment that made you realize that at the core of all of this, communication is really going to be a catalyst that's going to allow me to accomplish the goals that I want? And like I said, this is directed towards you and how you've been able to relay that type of message to your clients as well. Yeah, for sure, Jason. So for me and my clients, it's actually been very different. So for me, it was an accident that I got really good at communication. So I never sat there and I said, you know, if I became a great communicator, I could get the dream job I always wanted. No, I'm just really competitive. The reason I got really good at communication was because I wanted to win these case competitions. I wanted, I wanted right. to beat the other schools. So I was just working on it all the time like an obsessive, crazy person so that I could do really well and, and just win all these. And it just led to the job that I wanted. In other words, I started it for a different reason than why I continued it. I started it for a job, but then I continued in case competitions because I developed an unhealthy obsession with them. But with my clients, it's a little bit different, or just people in general, is they just find the answer to the question we alluded to earlier. How would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? The answer to that question is different for many of us. I would say for the people I work with, the answer is to share my ideas with the world at scale. That's usually some version of it. So let's say they're doing really well in their business or in their jobs or in their careers, but they're not being, getting on panels, not doing podcasts, not giving little workshops and presentations to improve their eminence, they're not able to scale their message to a larger group of people and impacting millions of lives. It's kind of like if Brene Brown never gave a TED Talk and just wrote research papers on social work and never wrote any books. We never would have found out about who she is, right? So that's kind of the gap that communication solves for. And the best way to do this is to ask ourselves three questions. What do we want in life? 
could be anything. Who already has what we want in life? A business, uh, money targets, a family. But the third question we never ask ourselves, Jason, is the person who has what we want, what kind of communicator are they? And what is the gap between them and us? That is incredibly powerful. And I, I will back you up on that 100% because that's something that when I'm looking at, for me, when I, I took a year to plan out this podcast and there was a lot of people that I was looking at, and those were the types of questions I was asking, especially number three, because I wanted to bring that type of communication to this show. And avid listeners understand that the first couple minutes of this podcast, I am setting the table for what they're going to learn because I'm thinking on that level of I've only got a couple minutes to relay a message here because people tune out so fast these days. And one of the biggest influences that made me realize how important that was, was John Lee Dumas with Entrepreneurs on Fire. In the first minute and a half, you know exactly what you're going to learn from him and that guest that day. To me, that's incredibly important because, again, I'm operating on the assumption that anybody that finds this podcast is only going to listen for a couple minutes. I've got to captivate them and make them keep their ass in the seat. So they listen to the whole episode and hear the message. But in those first couple minutes, it's all about relaying a message and communicating to the audience. This is what it's all about. This is what you're going to learn today. When you walk away from this conversation, you're going to feel the impact and hopefully some semblance of a transformation. Again, asking those types of questions when I was building out how I wanted to build this show, but how I wanted to be as a communicator through the podcast, Mike, made all the difference in the world. And to me, I feel that's led to more retention because people hear, hear the message up front and then they have it delivered to them throughout the show. I love that. And yes, JLD is a great guy and it's a great example of how you can use models and communication as a way to say, oh, I like what this guy or this gal is doing. How can I take inspiration for them and apply that for the goals and dreams that I have? And that helps us push us, push us and our goals much faster. No doubt about that. So I'm going to put you on the spot and ask some of these proven tips and strategies that you've built and discovered over the years from your own experience. How have you brought those to life and tell us what they are so we can start to put them into practice as well. Absolutely, Jason. So let's set some context first. The reason why communication is confusing for a lot of us, Jason, is because like juggling 18 balls at the same time. One of them is storytelling, body language, facial expression, ums and ahs, filler words, and the list goes on, so it's confusing. So the frame that I always like to approach this conversation with is what are the three easiest balls that we can juggle in the year? Because if we can juggle those three balls, we could probably figure out the other 15. So let's go ahead and go through them. I call them my easy threes, and I'll pause at each one so I don't monologue for 15 minutes here. So the first one is the random word exercise. Pick a random word like phone, like plug, like TV screen, and give random presentations out of thin air for 60 seconds. The reason this is effective is for two reasons, Jason. One, it helps you think on your feet. And the other reason is if you can make sense out of nonsense, you could make sense out of anything. So I encourage all of you listening to this to do the random word exercise three to five times a day. Do this with your kids, do it in the shower, and try and race for 100 as quickly as you can. I'm envisioning the spin room when it comes to politics. You get, you get people asking random questions that they want to take a certain way, but if you can spin that to serve you and serve the, if we're talking politics, to serve your candidate more effectively, it can make or break the entire process. It really can. I love that. Take, take us on to number two, my friend. 
Absolutely. Your example actually ties in perfectly with number two as well, Jason, which is the question drill. So to your point, we get asked questions all the time in our life, at work, at school, from our family, on a podcast. But most of us, Jason, are reactive to those questions. We aren't proactive. So we wait for the question to appear in the same way three years ago when I started guesting on podcasts. Somebody asked me, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at the guy and I said, uh, I don't know, dude, like Los Angeles, uh, Paris. Like, so I, I wasn't really sure because I was reactive. So then what I did instead, Jason, which I recommend your audience to do, is every single day, write down an answer, just one. What's one question you think the world will ask you about your expertise, your products, or your services, or your brand in, this, in the case of this show. And if you do that every single day for a year, just for five minutes, that's it. You'll have answered 365 questions about your industry, your personal brand, your products, your services, and you'll be bulletproof. That's huge. Man, I, I can't even add anything to that. I'm just trying to tell everybody to make sure if you didn't grasp all of that, hit the playback button. Take that one into consideration to start doing today. That's incredibly effective. Don't leave us hanging, man. What's number three? Absolutely. I mean, you, you already added the right point, Jason, which is the point you mentioned earlier around the politicians. That That is life also, where sometimes people just throw random questions at you mm -hmm. and, and they just you have to kind of deal with it. Like I remember I was on a podcast when somebody asked me, what is a woman? I was like, well, if any answer to this will put me in a bad position. So I have to figure out a way out of this, right? So, so I dodged it. But I think that's the key, right? Is you always need to be dealing with uncertainty because uncertainty is just the point of life. And I think your example mentioned that so well. Bringing us to number three. Number three is so simple, nobody does it, Jason. Make a list of everybody that you really love spending time with, that are super open minded that are awesome. They could be family members, they could be clients, they could be friends of yours. And just ask ourselves a simple question. When was the last time we sent any of these people a 20-second video message just to show our gratitude for them? That's it. Most people don't do that. And yeah. that's what creates not just impact in the world, but also helps you practice getting on camera a lot more efficiently. And one other piece that I'll add to the video message that plays really well in your podcast is that's how I've been able to build my personal brand really quickly. Literally anyone who comments on like my LinkedIn posts as an example, not on YouTube because it's harder to do, but on LinkedIn, when somebody comments, I literally send them like a voice note or a video message and it shocks them because I'm the only person who's doing that. So their loyalty towards me and my message is much higher than any other brand on, on that platform as an example. You struck something huge there. I think that approach is phenomenal. And I found that that can be effective as well when I do it through, whether it be through a Bonjuro video, through a loom, through just a simple voice message, but it is that extra step, but it's not scalable. And that's why so many people don't do it. Because if you try to do that with everybody you're in contact with, it can be a little bit more time consuming. However, if you do make it part of your practice and you're just taking a few seconds it's going to be something you get better at as you continue to move forward. And it's going to make you a much more attractive person to that or a much more attractive person to the one that you're sending that message to. But because it's not scalable, so many people will dodge that type of thing because they just don't want to take that extra effort. And they think as they grow, I'll never be able to maintain this, but you got to take the first step. Got to kind of walk before you run. And, and you like, I'm just holding my breath because you're so right. Cause you, you, 
you you pretext that so well, which is, and that is why it is so easy to win. That is exactly why it is so easy to win in your personal brand. How did I gain so much recognition on YouTube at such a young age? I mean, I started making executive communication videos at 22, Jason. I'm 26 now, but my average client is like 20 years older than me. Yet, for a lot of these people, I have bigger channels than they do. Why? Because I understood from day one something that most people don't understand their life with brand, except like Gary Vaynerchuk, which is... It's not about a thousand followers. It's about a thousand conversations. Because if you have a thousand conversations with a thousand people really love what you do and who you are, if they share your videos with 15 people, you have 15,000 subscribers. You're done. And that's why I still have conversations like this. Because my goal today is not necessarily to win over the audience always, but it's to win over you, Jason. So at the end of the conversation, you go, oh, you know, I watched Brendan's YouTube videos and he's got his suit on all the time. But now that I meet him, he's actually a pretty chill dude. I should probably share his YouTube videos to 25 people in my network. That's the game that I'm playing. And that's the game that most people don't play. And that's why they'll never beat people who do things that don't scale. That is a huge lesson for us all. EOB Society, hope you're taking this to heart. And I'm going to, I'll do the recommendation right now. Brendan's YouTube channel is badass. So... (laughs) I, I have nothing to hold back there. Definitely go check that out when you get a moment. In fact, I'm going to put a link in the in the show notes so you can check it out as soon as you get done with our conversation today. Brennan, the subject of public speaking has come up several times here on Evolution of Brand. And I mean, you can go back in the archives. I've, I've had tremendous talks with Natasha Bazilovich and Peter George, Tyler Foley. We really dug into this subject. I encourage anybody to go back and listen to that because we're going to build on this message today. But I want to get your slant on it, Brendan. And to some degree, you've already supplied some thoughts on this whole public speaking phenomenon. But why do you feel so many people struggle with public speaking? Do you feel it's more of a mindset thing? Or is there another culprit that's making people believe that they just can't excel in this space? Absolutely, Jason. You clearly named a lot of amazing people that I door but you know what i would say is and that's what's cool about this industry everyone's got their own opinion on this so here's mine and it's not london or los angeles anymore i've gotten better over the years thankfully so here's what i would say where do we learn how to present jason we learn how to present for most of us in the education system high school elementary school that's where the first memories of communication start for us in a formal way but the problem, Jason, is all of those three, all of those presentations have three fundamental problems. Number one, they're all mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Jason, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Nobody says that. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is you're never presenting something you're passionate about. So it's never, hey, Jason, what are you passionate about? Books, football, branding? No, you got to talk about Shakespearean poetry. And then after you're done that, you got to talk about the history of Missouri. And you're like, what? I don't, like, I don't live in Missouri. <laughs> And then the third piece, which is the worst of all, is all of our presentation. It's crazy that we put people through the education system like this. All of the presentations are tied to a punishment. So if you don't do a great job, you get slapped in the face. You lose 20% of your grade. So what's the conclusion? We grow up believing that communication is a chore, so it becomes one, and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. That's why I believe all of us grew up scared. Wow. Man, you blew my mind with that one. It reminds me of 
a presentation. I guess we can define it as a presentation, but we had this assignment. It was in my public speaking course in college. And I'm failing to remember the main premise, but we had to do something that was incredibly unique. And the one thing that we were told is that we could not look at anything. We couldn't have a card in front of us. We couldn't have a PowerPoint. We basically just had to monologue with the class. And in my head, I'm thinking, what would be powerful enough to connect with this audience that I could do without looking at anything? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm going to do my own eulogy. I'm going to say what I would want someone else to say if they were standing up front and talking about me if I was laying in a box next to them. So I really poured my heart and soul into coming up with the best possible presentation. And I remember being through it, getting done, and looking at all my other classmates, and they're just kind of like, dude, what the fuck? I got a B minus. I was just, I mean, I went into the professor's office and I, I can't remember everything she said, but I remember the grade. I was so taken back, almost offended by the fact that I had put so much into this and presented it with so much emotion and looked at nothing, fulfilled the biggest piece of this assignment for a B minus. Kind of made me lose faith in the whole grading scale system that we have in our world. But I'll never forget that because in my mind, when I looked and saw the reaction in the crowd, I knew I did something right. Grades notwithstanding, something happened in that room that made me feel very passionate about the way I could communicate in front of an audience. That was really what mattered at the end of the day. Dude, even me, I've never shared this on a podcast, but your, your story actually brought it up. Which is I even I got a B plus in my communication course. Me, like I'm, <laughs> I'm the guy teaching it, and I got I have a bachelor's in accounting. But one of my my classes was business communication, and at least I think maybe I'm not. Maybe I sound a little cocky, but I like I was a pretty good communicator then. And the guy gave me a B plus. I was like, dude, what do you know about communication? <laughs> so yeah, it's just nonsense. Those are the types of classes that I feel like no matter what you're going to school for i mean to me something like that is going to play a much more powerful role in whatever you're doing whether it's accounting whether it's finance but it's going to be much more effective than having to do biology in college like i know when i was in high school i had to dissect a fetal pig and then when i got to college had to do it again like i did this and this has nothing to do i mean i majored in communications (laughs) this is what i'm doing I mean, because these are all these prerequisite courses that you have to have this isn't going to help anybody unless you're a biology major, then it makes sense. But if you're going into these roles where you're going to be communicating with people to not have courses where you learn how to communicate with people blows my mind. That's insane, man. That's some next level stuff. Oh man. College is fun, right? It's different. Let's put it that way. Yeah. There's a number of different conspiracies that we can get into when we talk about that, but let's not let's, let's keep the subject more, on this public speaking thought process and mindset, do you feel a person labeling themselves as an introvert coincides with their fear of public speaking? And if so, how can a person improve their communication skills to get beyond this introverted mindset? Right. Great question, Jason. Here's the way I see it. 
I do think there's two parts to that. One part, I do I think the labeling of introvert causes people to fear communication more? Yes, but not because they're introverted, but because the label, they perceive it as a bad thing. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, the way I coach introverts is I actually remind them why they're better, which is a bit counterintuitive. So what I say, which, I'll, which I'm happy to share, obviously, sure. is what are the three advantages of being an introvert that introverts are not aware of when it comes to communication? One, they're better listeners. They talk less. So naturally, they'll listen more effectively. Mm -hmm. Listening is something I struggle with, and honestly, I still do struggle with it because I'm an extra extrovert. That's why I go on shows. Like, I just love talking. Yeah, I right? hear you but, there. Uh, right? <laughs> so you're, you're great at listening, not me so much. So the introvert, it's easier for them to adapt the message to who they're speaking to. That's one. Two, Pausing. Pausing is the most important skill to master in communication. It's the most foundational tool. Extroverts have a lot of trouble with pausing, Jason. And the reason is because, let's say we're at a bar, we're at a party, we're at an event, and there's a pause. We immediately want to fill it up. Hey, uh, what's your favorite color? What do you want to do? Whereas the introvert is comfortable with silence because, once again, they talk less on average. So for them, it's easier to implement in their speeches. And finally, number three. Number three is not well known. The best introverts realize that they're more accessible as communicators than extroverts. And I'll use an example. Gary Vaynerchuk. I love the guy. I think he's incredible. I think he's amazing. He's done, and he's been an inspiration for my personal brand. But you either love the guy or you hate the guy. You're not in the middle. There's no, I don't really know what I think about Gary V. Ah. Now you either go, oh my God, he's amazing. Or, oh my God, get him out of my face. Right. Nobody says that about Brene Brown, Jason. Nobody says, I hate Bernie Brown. Because if you say that, the FBI, the CIA, they're all going to be at your house, and they're going to kidnap everybody, and they're going to take your family. And that's the point that I want to drive, is that there's a lot more advantages that introverts have than they don't realize, and they should triple down on them. Yeah, that ability to listen is something that I feel, I, I try to apply that to podcasting as much as I possibly can. And to me, that's what leads to more compelling content, because I'd rather have an organic conversation where I can ask some follow-up questions or lend my own uh, expertise or my own thoughts and commentary to whatever was said versus just going down a list of questions and forgetting that, oh, you might've just said something incredibly poignant that we could build upon. Oh, I just got to ask this next question to make sure I get all that out. And and that's how a lot of people pe proceed in podcasting, but they also yes. do, do the same in a lot of other formats where you're missing out on that great opportunity. So that, that's one part of it for me. And this is more of a conspiracy theory because I've always wondered where did the where in the hell did um and uh and all of these filler words that take away silence from a conversation, where did they come from? I've always wondered that because if you go back and listen to how people spoke years ago, that wasn't a thing. But now it's very prevalent in our everyday conversations. I think a lot of it has to do with that fear of silence no one can let something hang for a second. I think of the power of that pause when it's in this space, especially in an audio format, it works in video too. If you let something hang for a few seconds, if a person has their head down, they might look up and go, what I miss? That must've been something profound. Maybe they're gonna hit rewind. Maybe they're gonna start listening to everything going forward. It can make a person think a little bit differently, but we're so scared to let that pause unfold sometimes we miss out on what might happen. 
Absolutely, Jason. And and just to dispel the mystery, because I don't want you to leave this this life without knowing the secret. So so the, the reason we say filler words, in my opinion, because I, I think even five years ago, a lot of us w were saying it too. The challenge is we use it to buy time. So let's say you ask me a question. You go like, hey, what do you think of this? I'll go, uh, um, and I'll use ums and ahs to buy time. Mm -hmm. And to your point, because you got most of you, I mean, you got it right pretty much, is that what the best communicators on the planet do differently is not smarter than us. They got to buy time too. They just do it differently. They just use time, like uh, like pausing, to buy themselves the time to communicate an idea. And the way you practice this, which most people won't do listening to this podcast, that's why I say stick to the easy threes, is to do an exercise I call the endless gaze, which is to take somebody that you love or somebody who's a stranger and stare at them in the eyes for three minutes and it forces you to get really good at pausing really fast. You know, for me, I, I get it. Like to me, that that makes complete sense. But to me, I still, I, I try to go just naturally what I do, going a little deeper into all of these things. And this is probably something just for my own personal mind toil toiling and, and letting the minutes fetter away. But when did it become that's what we do? When was it that we went away from silence or maybe ans answering something a little bit off the cuff, but finding the sentence as you go to quote Michael Scott from the office. But yeah, I just, I feel like, and again, maybe I'm completely wrong because we didn't have access to communication tools like we do now. There wasn't podcasts, there wasn't television. There was only, a, you know, at one point in time, there was just the printing press. So there was no reason to have a drawn out um in print. But again, these are just things that sometimes I, I find myself thinking about when I'm forcing myself to be bored and not be on a screen. It's maybe one of those things in life that we'll never be able to explain, but who knows? I do like your thoughts on it, though. That does make a lot of sense. That's awesome. Well, Brennan, let's get slightly philosophical for one second as we get close to winding down today. If someone were wiping the slate clean and looking to completely revamp everything they know about communication and really apply some new methods to what they're doing, what would you recommend to them as step number one? In my opinion, Jason, step number one, if we're wiping the entire slate clean, is really to dream about your communication skills. And I know that sounds really esoteric, but the biggest challenge, I believe, and all of the, my, my buddies in the, the field disagree with me, you know, everyone thinks fear is the biggest challenge to communicate. I actually disagree. I think it's motivation. And the reason I think it's motivation is because there's so many things that we were scared of doing in our life that were hard that we did anyways. So we didn't just not do it because we were scared. We did it because the reward or the opportunity or the pain associated it was much larger than the fear. So we pushed through it. So for us, the biggest problem, the biggest puzzle we need to solve for is how do we get people motivated to even work on the skill in the first place? So creating that motivation first will allow us to push any barrier. Because in my opinion, the fear of communication doesn't really go away, even for people like me. It's just the level is different. It's For me, it's like if somebody calls me and it's Elon Musk and he says, hey, can you coach me? Yeah, I'd shit my pants. So that's my level. And then for other people, it's it's something else. So that's why I encourage your audience to really take the following question seriously. 
How would your life change? How would the world change if you became an exceptional communicator? Really start to imagine those possibilities for yourself. Will you make more friends? Will you be on a big podcast? Will you be able to share ideas more effectively, post on social media, share your ideas with the world, get a promotion at work, provide more income for your family? When you think about those reasons, that's what creates that burning desire to do the random word exercise, to do the question drills and to send those video messages every day. Well, Brendan, as predicted, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I can't thank you enough for bringing all types of value and expertise and knowledge on communication to the mic with you today. How can we keep all of this positive momentum flowing in the right direction by connecting with you for more, checking out that YouTube channel, and accessing your communication training that you offer? Absolutely, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. This is super fun. So two ways to keep in touch. One is the YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas effectively. And the second way to keep in touch is my free training. I do a free workshop on communication over Zoom every two weeks. It's not some boring webinar. It's a fun, live, interactive session with me facilitating it. So if you want to go to that, go to Rockstar Communicator. And as always, making life as easy as possible, I'm going to put those links in the show notes so you can quickly access everything Brendan's got for you. Before we wind down, my friend, if you could go back in time and share one thing with your pre-evolved self that would completely change the game for you today, what would it be? Be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you made it all the way to the end of this episode, you're probably someone who really cares about creating impact and doing something valuable for your life. So here's the only piece of advice that really matters at the end of the day. The people who do incredible things with their life, Jason, are often crazy people. Don't you find it odd that I started a YouTube channel? Not on pranks, not on music videos, but on public speaking and executive communication. And then I went to build a successful business the next year with people double my own age that for some reason trust me with their transformation. Yet, I'm scared to drive my car even if I have a license. I'm in the top 1% of all listeners on Spotify for Justin Bieber. I can karaoke in eight different languages and I go clubbing every quarter with my family. How does any of this make any sense at all? And that, Jason, is the point. When every decision in your life makes sense to the only person that it should, which is you, you're probably making the right decision. So be insane or be the same would be my final thought. Well, as Brendan picks up his microphone that he just dropped, I'm going to say one more time, my friend, thank you very much for joining us here on Evolution of Brand today. It's been a blast. Pleasure was mine, man. Think about the last time you experienced a communications breakdown, EOB Mafia. Whether it was on a personal or professional level, it doesn't feel good. And most likely, it led to a missed opportunity. Powerful communication is critical to the growth and success of your brand and for you as a person. Embrace this now, connect with Brendan to learn more, and discover how everything in your world changes as your communication skills increase. I'd like to once again thank Brendan for bringing the goods to Evolution of Brand today. To get more from this episode, visit evolutionofbrand.com, click on the archives link, then go to episode 137. Or head straight to jasoncircone.com slash brendankumarasamy for instant access to links, resources, and show notes. 
and I'm talking primo notes, I got an A. Want to support Evolution of Brand? Subscribe, follow, rate, and review. It's all appreciated. But above all else, recommend this episode of Evolution of Brand to one person in your circle who you know will be impacted by what they hear. And with that, episode 137 of Evolution of Brand has reached its conclusion. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen today, and I look forward to reconvening once again when episode 138 comes your way in the very near future. Until then, jump back in the archives and check out some of the great conversations that you may have missed right here on Evolution of Brand. Until our paths cross again, this is Jason Sircone reminding you to never stop evolving.